It'll be might's name and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Well, good morning again. Um, welcome to Deep Creek Baptist Church. Uh, we don't have any birthdays in the... Uh, uh, in the bulletin, are there any birthdays this week? Okay, so we're going to get to sing happy birthday. You don't get to hear my lovely voice. So, <laughs> All right, well, let's just go on and we'll tote our next hymn then. Right. Well, that was quick. Okay, let's stand up and turn to page 628. Number 628, he touched me. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath a load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me Oh, he touched me And oh, the joy that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me And made me whole Since I met this blessed Savior since he cleansed and made me whole I will never cease to praise him I'll shout it while eternity rolls He touched me, 
come to our announcements, praises, and prayer requests. Uh, if you, the only announcement that we see in the bulletin is our annual barbecue fundraiser, uh, which will be April the 19th from 11 a.m. It says to 2 p.m. Uh, if it goes longer, it goes longer. If it goes shorter, it goes shorter. Um, we'll go until we run out. And usually, to, usually it's around 2 o'clock when we run out. So, um, any other announcements? All right, praises and prayer requests. Um, if you look on the uh, bulletin, if you look down, you'll see Tina Huff. Uh, that's Pastor Kevin Huff's wife that I went to Guatemala with. Uh, he sent me a text last night and asked me if I would add his wife, Tina, to the prayer list that uh, she had some tests run and she's losing some blood and they don't know where it's going. So uh, keep them in your prayers that they'll find wisdom and figure out what's going on uh, with the loss of blood. Uh, continue to pray for, for Tommy Grove. He's uh, still taking his radiation. He said his throat's starting to, uh, uh, to get sore and it's hard for him to swallow. Um, continue to pray for Brother Roger Johnson and his recovery. He's here today. And it's a pleasure to see him, uh, Vernie and Michaela, as they continue to heal and go through the uh, uh, process of uh, cancer. Um, the McKinnis family, uh, the Lois and Ron Corrado family, uh, at the loss of uh, 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 an uncle of Wendy's, which is uh, Bobby Edwards' uh, wife. Um, also, uh, uh, pray for James. Uh, and that whole mission team, they left this morning going to Honduras. And so they're either in Miami or fixing to be on their way to, to uh, Camagua, one of the two. So just pray for them uh, that they'll have a good week and have a safe week. Um, are there any other updates, praises, or additions to the prayer list? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I didn't think he was 100% recovered from Guatemala. Um, any others? John? Okay. So, um, and then um, Ruth Waddell, just keep, uh, she's already on the list as well, but keep praying for her and her, and her son Johnny. He's not on there, but just, uh, and then uh, Miss Diane is under the weather, so pray for Miss Diane. And, uh, and then uh, there was an unspoken. Okay. Uh, pray for David quicker. He's under the weather, he's got the crud. Uh, 
have a miracle sitting right in front of me. Amen. This gentleman just had two back surgeries just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And then when I walked in today, I was just, hallelujah. Yep. Hallelujah. Amen. God. Yep. Thanks for everybody's prayers. Yep. Amen. 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 Give God the glory. Any others? It's good to see. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Kathleen. I'd do what? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have a good piano player today. Not that we don't have one good one all the time, but today we got a good one. Uh, you got red. You got your hand up. Oh, I'm. Sorry. <laughs> he was stretching. I'm sorry. I thought he had. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. Good to see Michael. Any others? All right. There's no others. Then uh, no other praises. Uh, then we'll uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We lift up all those families, Lord, that are grieving, that have lost loved ones. Lord, we ask you to wrap your arms around them and grab them and pull them close to you. Lord, let them feel your presence because you are the only one who can heal a broken heart. You are the only one who can fill that void of a missing loved one. Lord, we ask you to also be with those that are facing tests and those that are going through uh, treatments. Keep them strong. Let them feel your presence, Lord. Give them the ability to be able to rely upon you that they will search you first. That through you all things are possible. Lord, we love you. We ask you to fill this place with your spirit so that today when we walk out of here we'll be filled with your spirit ready to face a cold, calloused world. Lord, we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would stand, please, and turn to page 486. We're only going to do, this is pre-recorded, so we have one verse of Give Me Jesus.
Lord, use this money as you see fit. We love you for everything you do every day. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. That's pretty good. Courtney, you've got a ovation. Um, it's been a been an amazing week this week. I uh, had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Uh, for those of you that know, I've been uh, working uh, at the polls for early voting, and so I'm getting an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. Uh, and uh, and so had some wonderful conversations this week, and I had an opportunity to do a lot of reading while I was sitting there waiting on people to vote. And uh, and I read ac read across an article that was talking about the uh, the ineffectiveness of the American church. And 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 as I was reading that article Monday, it just kind of struck me. And so uh, it led me to prayer and it led me to some scripture in the Bible and uh, why are we as a church so ineffective? Well, to put it in a nutshell, uh, the reason that we are as a church are ineffective at presenting Jesus is because we are not filled with Jesus. If we were filled with Jesus, what did he say? There would be rivers of living water flowing from us. Well, either our pipes are clogged up or we have beavers that have downed up the river or whatever it is, but we're not filled with Jesus. And you know what happens when the water stops flowing? It becomes stagnant and nasty and it breeds all kind of things. And so I was thinking, well, you know, Lord, I'm supposed to preach an uplifting sermon. And so it led me to this. 
And so it's probably going to sound negative, but I mean it in the most uplifting way it possibly can be. It's when faithfulness is wrong. When is faithfulness wrong? Well, I'm going to tell you. We're going to go to the parable that everybody knows. We're going to go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to talk a little bit about the prodigal son story, but not necessarily the prodigal son. We're going to talk about the son that stayed home. And we're going to find out when faithfulness is wrong. And so uh, I'm going to start reading in chapter 15, verse 25, and I'll read to verse 30. And for those of you who have a red letter Bible, you will notice that all of this is in red. So this is the words of Jesus. If you do not have a red letter Bible, you will understand that this thing started back uh, on a couple of pages before with a quotation mark and it's not ended until you get down uh, over into chapter 16 uh, somewhere right? but it's all quoted by Jesus so he's, he's teaching one right after the other it's like parable after parable after parable and so uh, and so anyway uh, chapter 15 of Luke Verse 25, it says, Now his elder brother was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answered saying unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friend. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and thou hast killed for him a fatted calf. Let's pray. Father God, I love you, and I thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for this mercy that you give us. I thank you for the ability of having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to, to be able to glean these things out of Scripture so that we can apply them to our lives, so that we can do a inspection of our own faithfulness so that we can know when we're walking rightfully or unrighteously that we can walk proudly and the world not be able to accuse us of being not filled with you lord i love you i ask it in your holy name that you fill this place with your spirit amen so the elder brother in this story, he was proven uh, that his attitude about faithfulness to be wrong in at least three ways. Number one, that he felt that his faithfulness should, be excuse, should excuse a spirit of haughtiness. Now for those of you who don't know what that means, it's, it's scornful pride, snobbiness, or arrogance. Now I know none of us suffer from any of that, right? None of us have been guilty of haughtiness. None of us, when we go to meet with somebody or whatever, have judged them and put out this before we get there. This attitude. I know there's not one sitting here that's like that. Oh, they did this to me. Oh, you wait. You wait. I'll show you. Think about that. 
He thought that because of his service, because of his service and obedience to his father, that the father, that would give him the excuse to be snobby and, uh, and arrogant. That would give him uh, uh, to be able to be scornful, to be upset, to be jealous. He was jealous of his brother. He didn't care that his brother come home. He cared that the fact that they're throwing a party. How many of you would be upset? How many of you have been upset that somebody got recognition and you didn't get it? I know I have. I have. And if you are honest, you have too. We don't like it when we get looked over. We want a pat on the back. We want people to recognize us even though we may act like we don't. We want our due. We want what's coming to us if it's within the parameters of our box that we have decided it can only come in. It's the same way when we pray and ask God to bless us. We put a box and this is the only way I'll receive this lesson, Lord, is if it meets all the criteria that I have gave you. Well, have you met the criteria that he gave us? You ask not, or you have not because you ask not. You ask not because you don't have the right attitude. You don't, he doesn't hear your prayers because number one, you got sin in your life. And number two, you're asking for the wrong thing. I know there's people here that's praying to win the lottery. And there's nothing wrong in the fact that you're praying to win the lottery, but what are you going to do with the money when you get it? What are you going to do? How's that going to change your life? Are you going to become so self-made that you forget where you come from? Are you going to take all this money and become so engrossed in it that you forget who you are and who you belong to? That's just one example. Think about this. Think about it very carefully. He was as he was answering his father, he said, Lo, these many years I served thee. He was upset. He expected something for his service. Do we as Christians expect something for the service that we render to the church? Do we expect because we render something for the church that we have a status? When we give an offering or we give a gift do we put conditions on it? If we do, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. I can tell you about a conversation years ago I had with my mother. She called me and she said, Jerry, I need you to come by and have lunch. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll be there for lunch. So I pulled up and she had my favorite lunch. And we were eating and she says, I want to talk to you about, I want to give some money to the church. I said, well, write the check. She says, but I don't want it to be used for this and this and this. I said, then it's not a gift, Mom. I said, you're making, you're making designated funds. No, I just want to put it in there, and, but they can't use it. I said, that's a designated fund. When you put stipulations on it, then it can only be used for certain things. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. A gift is something you give somebody with no strings attached. If they decide they love it, and want to keep it and cherish it, more power to them. If they decide they want to take that, wrap it back up in a different box and give it to somebody else, that's their gift, more power to them. You gave it to them to do what they want to. 
We've been given a great gift. We've been given salvation. And what it cost God, we will never know. We will never know the cost for him to redeem his creation back to himself. We'll never know the humbleness that it took for him to come and put on his creation. Think about that. Think about that. And so, see his, his faithfulness, he thought, would cover the excuse of a spirit of haughtiness. We think that today. We have people that, that won't do certain things and they won't talk to certain people uh, and, and they're because of their arrogance. Why do I need to go and witness? I have my salvation. Didn't nobody come witness to me. I got it because I was drugged to church. Yeah. Just because you were drugged to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you walked the aisle does not mean you're a Christian. I had a conversation Wednesday night. And we were talking, and the person that I was talking to couldn't believe that there are preachers in the United States and around the world standing in the pulpit that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I informed that person that not only are there people standing in the pulpit, but the pews are full of people who do not know Jesus Christ. They have an intellectual understanding of who he is, but they don't have a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're going to be so shocked on the day that the church is called out of here when they're left behind. Or they're going to be so shocked when they're in the grave and they stay in the grave until the end when the judgment of the world comes. They didn't hear the trumpet because they never knew the trumpeter. They didn't hear the trumpet because they knew it in their head, not in their heart. The heart is where it's at. Where did Christ say he was going to build his church? In the hearts of men. It ain't the head. If you want to get right with the Lord, you need to put your head on the floor and get it below your heart. I witnessed that when I was in Guatemala. These ladies would pray. They would get down on their knees and their head was on the ground. Below their heart. Praying like you would not believe. Number two, he felt that, that his faithfulness should excuse a spirit of hatefulness. Now, we got some hateful Christians, I'm going to tell you, everywhere. And, and you know how you can tell they're hateful? They're unpleasant to be around. They're mean-spirited. I mean, they're just flat-out mean people. They're angry at the world and they want everybody else to be angry too. These people make you pay to be around them. They taxed you emotionally. They taxed you physically. You're going to pay. And trust me, when you, get all around, when you get out from around them, you breathe a sigh of relief. And you're wore out mentally and you're wore out physically because you're having to, you're having to edit everything that comes out of your mouth because you don't want to set them off and listen to them. Yeah, I see a lot of y'all nodding your head. You know what you're talking about. There's nothing worse than a hateful Christian. I think that's an oxymoron. 
Or just a plain moron? <laughs> it's hard to be around people that are unpleasant. And when they call, man, you're like, oh my God, here it is. Mean-spirited. See, he... He said, you never even once, you, it's, you took my brother, he, he took your livelihood and he throwed it away, parted it away, messing with harlots and whatever, gambling and having a great time. So he thought his brother was unhappy the whole time and miserable. But we think because we didn't get to do it, oh, they must have had a ball. If he had a ball, why did he come back? Why did he come back? See, we were all hateful. And we were all mean-spirited. Or not mean-spirited, but we were all haughty before we came to Christ. And those are the characteristics in us that's supposed to be changed through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yet some of us have blocked off that hallway in the heart. Now, you can't go in that room. That's the room that puts my wall up so people don't get close to me. No, you can't go in that room because that's the room that's my defense mechanism. So all I got to do is say a couple little words, put it with a little attitude, and people leave me alone. I can go about my business. What if Jesus would have had that? What if he'd had that the day you decided to accept him as your Lord and Savior? Oh, you? You finally think you're good enough to come to me? Well, come on down here. We'll give it a try and see how it works. Kind of don't sound right, does it? Aren't we blessed that he's not that? And we expect our churches to grow because that's the attitude we put out, not the attitude of Jesus. Now listen, I'm stepping on my toes too. I left my steel toe boots at home for a reason. I wanted to feel the pain. We can do much better. We have to do much better. Don't. We're going to be like I talked about uh, the lukewarm church. See, it was a physical, the water there physically was lukewarm. The people in Laodicea knew it. it there were, all their water supply came from a hot spring. It come down a six-mile aqueduct. And when it got there, it was lukewarm. You ever been thirsty outside working in the yard and all you can get is that first drink of water out of the water hose? What do you do? You spit it out because it's hot and nasty. Tastes like plastic. Just imagine being thirsty, working all day, and the water's coming from the aqueduct, and you pull it up, and there's steam coming off of it. It's not refreshing, is it? Being a Christian is supposed to be refreshing, it's supposed to be renewing. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be happy, and we're supposed to be happy when we greet each other. We're not supposed to walk around looking like we took a bite of the most sour thing on the planet. You know, when we see certain people coming, we're not supposed to shake like it's, like it's a bad thing. We're supposed to reach our arms out. Oh, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. Hatefulness. Someone who is unpleasant or mean-spirited. They can't help it. Not only are they most people that are hateful, also are haughty. The Bible, they're snobbish. I think the two are intertwined. 
<coughs> can't separate them. He hated the fact that his brother returned and that his father accepted him. Has any of you ever felt upset when someone comes to Christ? Think about it. When someone comes to Christ, has it ever upset you that they're not going to burn in hell? I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven. I think we're going to be shocked who is who's in heaven. I think we're going to see people there that we never thought we would see. We thought they were sure they were down there burning in hell. And then we're going to be shocked again when we go to looking for some people and they're not there because they're burning in hell because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't cry out to the one whose name all men are saved. Think about that. And when we get there and we go through the list, who's there because of Jerry? Who's not there because of Jerry? See, it's the either or. Either they're there because I shared the gospel or either they're not because I didn't share it good enough. Or maybe I just didn't share it at all because I didn't feel like they were worthy. Is there anybody that you ever refused to share the gospel to? Yeah, because you're afraid they're going to cuss you out or they're going to reject you. They may even threaten to whoop you. What did he tell us? You can do all things through who? Who strengthens us. You know, it takes a long time to get there. It's not something that you're going to get the moment you accept Jesus Christ. There has to be people come alongside of you who are mature to walk you through that. See, we have a bad habit in the church today of people becoming Christians brand new and here you go. We expect them to immediately be able to walk the walk, talk the talk, and be able to have the vernacular to, to withstand it. We don't have somebody coming alongside of them and helping them go through the process of learning to read scripture, learning to decipher, learning to walk, learning to pray. Learning to pray confidently. Learning to read the Bible every day. See, these are things that need to be done. How can you emulate, emulate somebody you don't know? That's like most of these people today are, are, are infatuated with these celebrities on TV. All these people following celebrities and they don't know them. All they know is the public image of them. They don't know their private lives. They don't know their personalities. And they're being led astray. And Satan's got it going on pretty easy. He's got it going pretty easy because people are easily deceived because of why? Over years, the generation that's around today is the least biblical generation in history. They're the most biblically illiterate people today. They will tell you things that they said is in the Bible that's not there. And they're shocked because it's not there. What do you mean it's not there? Well, you need to read it and you'll tell it. It ain't there. Well, you think, the, and I had this happen this week. Well, you think the world's only 6,000 years old. I said, I never said that. I said, I think it's a young earth. Well, the Bible says, I said, the Bible doesn't say anything about how old the earth is. I said, but, you know, you can kind of guess. I can tell you this, it ain't 250 billion years old. How do you know? 
because the dating system is flawed. When they can't get past 25,000 years, they got an issue. So, hatefulness, terrible thing, terrible thing. This, this man hated his brother. We hate our brothers, some of us. We hate the lifestyle they lead. We hate the, the way they conduct their business. We hate the way they raise their children. We hate the way they vote. We hate and name a number of things. We hate the food they eat. We hate the way they dress. We hate the way they comb their hair. Just think about it. Hatefulness. Mean. And we make statements like, look, brother, if you ever see me walk out of the house looking like that, you better hit me. Wake me up, send me back in, because I, I evidently I've lost my ever-loving mind. And number three, he felt that his faithfulness should excuse his spirit of heartlessness. <clears throat> heartlessness. If you describe someone who's heartless, you mean they're cruel. They're unkind. And have no sympathy for anyone or anything. Statements like, I can't believe we come up beside them. I couldn't believe they were so heartless. That was a heartless thing to do. That was a heartless thing to say. The synonyms for hatefulness or heartlessness is cruel, hard, callous, cold. I could have printed three pages of synonyms for heartlessness. It's amazing, isn't it? That if you're haughty, hateful, and heartless, they're all together. There's three H's. Those three H's you expect. And see, they have such an arrogance about them that they think that their faithfulness and their service to God covers that. The only thing that will cover this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Period. And then you're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to want to change. The Holy Spirit's going to be there and it's going to talk to you. And if you get to where you ignore it, guess what? You're not going to hear it. You're going to forget what it sounds like. And when you forget what it sounds like, you're not going to be able to do what God's called you to do. You're called to glorify Him. That's it. We're called to share the gospel and glorify Him. And by sharing the gospel, we're glorifying Him. You don't have to go to class. You don't have to get a college degree to be able to share the gospel. All you have to do is tell people how God saved you. How did He call you? What was your circumstances? When did you surrender? You know, I listened to Renee talking to the youth. And she's seen this thing. And, uh, the person was a youth director. And he gave every one of the kids a little white flag. Told them to take it home with them. It was theirs to keep. And whenever, whenever they got to the point that they were ready to receive Jesus Christ, they would have waved that white flag. They were to surrender. 
We have people who have got to the altar. Their mind has said yes. But they won't let their heart open. And so they learn the vernacular. They've learned how and to be able to scoot through this and scoot through that without actually having to be a growth in Christ. To put it in short terms, they got it all figured out. They don't need Jesus. See, they got it all figured out. They don't need anybody to witness. They got it all figured out. And when anybody comes to try to try to penetrate that wall that they've got up, the three H's show up. And they can't hide it. It bears itself out. It's the fruit. It's the rotten fruit. It's the low hanging on the branch. See, he tells us in his word that we will know them by their fruit. The reason here we don't have a problem with low hanging fruit is because we have a lot of fresh fruit that's being grown every year that overpower the low hanging rotten fruit. And what we need to do collectively is we need to exit the building. We need to be partakers of the mission field. We need to be, we need to be participants. You know, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book, Not a Fan. And if you've ever read that book, uh, he starts out by describing a sports team. Your favorite sports team. People get all excited. And, I mean, spend a lot of effort and time pulling for that sports team. And when that team starts losing, what do they do? Head for the door, the exit. See, that's a fan. A fan has no vested interest in the game. They didn't do the practice. They didn't do the blood and the sweat. They didn't learn the plays. They didn't go through the rigor of being ready to play. They just came to watch. And so Christianity is kind of like that. We have participants. They're on the battlefield. They're out there waging war for Christ. And we have a lot of fans in the stands. And as soon as something goes wrong, I told you that wasn't going to work. You should have known better than that. It ain't never worked before. Why do you think it's going to work now? Well, I think what we need to do is we need to try this right here. And it's a good plan. We're going to try this right here. Let's pray about it. And you get ready to execute it. Well, I prayed about it, but yeah, but I don't think this is going to do any good. The yeah, but start popping up. What would happen if we all got filled with Jesus and actually did what he called us to do? What do you think that would look like? What do you think that would feel like? Not only, not only as a leader, but, but as a participant. You know, they say there's safety in numbers. When is the last time you shared Jesus Christ with somebody? That's our number one mission. Here, go back to the go back to Matthew. Matthew 28. Verse 18. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We are called to share the gospel. And we're to be filled with him because we have his power in us, indwelled the Holy Spirit. Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to teach them about the triune God. We're supposed to teach them about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. We're supposed to show them that through our lives because we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And when they come, we're to baptize them. And we just don't baptize them. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. What are all the things that Jesus taught us? What are all the things that he commanded us? Love your brother as yourself. Have no other gods before me. Love your God. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Not rocket science. That's what we're called to do. Before you invoke on any important undertaking, seek the blessings of God. Before you do anything, seek the blessings of God. If you want to not have a spirit of wrong faithfulness, then you need to have the spirit of the Holy Spirit living in you. You need to be reading and applying it to your life daily. You, there's, a, there's no reason for people not to read the Bible daily. They got apps. On, they got 5,000 apps out there. When you're telling your lunch, read your app. When you're riding in the car, everything's hands-free now. Stick it up in there and let it roll. If you're going to do that in your car, get the animated version where you got the music and the noise in the background and all. There's no reason <coughs> for us to be biblically illiterate because as you listen to it going down the road, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and you're going to gain understanding. The reason people are not coming to Christ is because His people aren't doing their job. I am one of them. We need to be witnessing. And when necessary, use words. Our lives should look like His. He said, be holy for I am holy. What do our lives look like when we walk out of this building during the week? Would people know that we're members of the Deep Creek Baptist Church? Or do they think we're part of some social club? Do they know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Or do they think you just a little bit can't make up your mind? You got one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. There's no fence. There's no fence to straddle. Either you are or you're not. If you are, you are blessed beyond measure. If you're not, you are damned. That's not me. That's the Bible. 
and I don't want to have your blood on my hands. None. I don't want it on my hands. I have told you the gospel as best I can tell you. If you want to be saved, all you have to do is call out to Jesus Christ. Ask him to come into your heart. Tell him that you're a sinner. That he died on the cross for your sins, was buried, rose again three days later, ascended to heaven, and was returning to get his church. Ask him to come into your heart. The moment you do that, verbally, out loud, you are saved. And once you are saved, you are saved forever, contrary to popular belief. You cannot lose your salvation. However, you can backslide and live in the world. You can backslide and live in the world, but you can't lose your salvation. And if you're producing fruit that contradicts the Bible, you're probably not saved to start with. A lot going on here, and time's getting short. There's a lot of things happening around this world. I can probably with confidence say that we're probably have never before we're in the end times. I'm not a prophetic studier. I don't know about end times other than the fact that I see what I see and read what I read. I'm not the smartest man on the face of this earth. I'm not the dumbest man on the face of this earth. I'm somewhere in between. But God gifted me with common sense and he gifted me with the ability to comprehend what I read. And what I read and then what I see lining up. So with that, if you're here today and you got uncomfortable with this message, that's the Lord. You need to work it out. If you're here today and you think I'm just woofing stuff, that's fine too. If you're here today and you need to redirect your life, today's the day. If you're here today and you need to make a you need to make a commitment to him for sure. Today's the day. I would hate for you to walk out of here and it be your last breath and you not get a chance for salvation. That's what I would hate. That's my prayer. So as you go out, think about this. As you sit here, think about this. Examine yourself. I've been doing a lot of that lately. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like what I've been seeing. And so I'm trying to change through the help of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to be able to stand before Christ and cast a crown at his feet. Rather than stand there and say, this is it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you. I thank you for this day. Lord, I ask you to please, please touch the hearts of anyone that heard this message today. Lord, let them not wait another second. Let them come to you today, Lord, for security, for, for confidence and understanding. And let them come to you today to get out from under the curse of damnation. And under the curse of everlasting life with you. Lord, I love you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay. If you would stand, please. Our closing hymn is page 435, Just As I Am, the first verse. Thank <laughs> you. 